Blog Talk Radio. Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Yes, well, life has been interesting, hasn't it been, for all of us and in our own respective ways. Today, I have invited you, the audience, to listen in and to join in in uh, one of those shows that I like to have where you, the audience, calls in and shares your thoughts, your comments, your questions, whatever it is that's on your mind, whether it's of a larger universal nature or a personal and intimate nature. What is on your mind? What is sitting in your heart? What needs to be expressed? And get some counsel, get some guidance. Um, When I put on my hat as a therapist and coach and... uh, holistic practitioner, or to engage the subjects of the world. And I would like to start with that after I give the phone number, in case anyone would want to be calling in and take me up on the offer. And that number is 602-753-1860, As any of you know who listen with any regularity, we are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio. And for seven years, just about, I was uh, on on Monday evenings at the same time, 6 p.m., on Progressive Radio Network. And uh, Blog Talk Radio actually represented a bit of an upgrade, quite honestly, (laughs) for all the good that BRN actually does. Um, It's not commercial, so I do want to invite anyone who would be interested in advertising uh, on either this show or on our website, www.abetterworld.tv. It's an excellent venue where we reach many, many thousands of people, uh, the cultural creatives, the intelligentsia, people who are seeking to make a difference in the world, people who want to upgrade their own lives in terms of their profession, in terms of their passion, in terms of their professionalism, in terms of their success and their prosperity, and primarily with an emphasis on uh, earning through making a contribution. In other words, 
doing well by doing good. That is very much our motto at A Better World because we all are in this current paradigm of currency and it's good to have enough of it. And uh, there's nothing better than living a life of value and meaning. So when you can bring, bring all of these under the same roof, then you are really leading a powerful, holistically oriented life. Holistic in the sense that there isn't an arm's length relationship between what it is you do and how it is you earn your keep. When the two can be conjoined, very much one of our our primary themes, life just flows, as Mr. Gajeev used to say, like a pianola. So today, please uh, let me just remind those of you who are not getting our weekly newsletter to go to, without stopping at go, to abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, and where it says newsletter, sign up and get on the newsletter. It's free, it's weekly, it announces what we have on the TV show weekly, and who we have as a radio guest, or what the subject will be like today, where I'm going to open up after giving the phone number again, in case anyone wants to call in, um, the subject will open up with the uh, Breakthrough Energy Movement Conference that I just returned from that was in Hilversum, Netherlands, just outside of Amsterdam, where there was a collection of great speakers and people from all over the world, and uh, for those of you who have heard the last few weeks of shows, we aired uh, my interviews with a few notable speakers at the conference. Number one was Michael Tellinger, and another was uh, David William Gibbons, and another was Fernando Vossa. So these were... um, dynamic interviews and they're on our website under radio archives so you can certainly go back and listen as well as on blog talk radio website itself so again the number is 602-753-1860 that's 602-753-1860 and very simply what's ever on your mind is of interest to not only you, but really to our whole audience. Because I'll tell you, in reality, we are so much more the same and share much more in common than we do have differences between us. Oh, you don't have to remind me. There are differences. (laughs) Let us not make believe that they are not. However, When it comes to the fundamentals of life, the fundamentals of our emotional life especially, we are very joined at the heart. Maybe at the hip too, but certainly at the heart. And I'll get to that shortly after just doing a little bit of a an exciting review, really, of the conference because the last time I spoke with you was pre-conference and the reason this conference was so interesting is because for what may be the first time, this particular compendium of speakers came together 
with the express purpose of looking at not just the technical distinctions of a series of different what are called free energy devices, but it should be said that nothing is exactly free in this life, I think we've all noticed, um, but we were also looking at the political and social and economic implications of the uh, application of a renewable, sustainable, energized world. That is one that is not based on the pulling out of the ground of fossil fuels and uh, allowing for that corporate machinery to govern uh, a large part of our lives, whether it's the fossil fuel industry providing gasoline to uh, provide the energy for locomotion, or whether it's the coal industry to heat our homes and uh, power our homes with electricity. It seems almost hilarious that at this stage in the 21st century, we would have to be relying on something like coal. You know, think of charcoal in your barbecue, in your grill. Well, after a fashion, that's what we're burning in order to turn on the light switch in our bathroom or living room or in our um, dance hall, <laughs> whatever it is. Doesn't that strike you as a little odd, seeing as we live in a world of Bentleys and Maseratis and and um, spaceships landing on the moon and Mars? Yet, down here on Earth, we are still using coal. It's funny. Anyway, I want to uh, give the phone number out again, 602-753-1860, 602-753-1860. So uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing is that at this Breakthrough Energy Conference, we talked about all of us. We looked at the technical aspects of magnetic machines, um, even spacecraft, quite honestly, through the work of Russell Anderson, who is uh, uh, doing some wonderful work with the um, Searle technology that was on uh, BBC many years ago. I think it was back in the 70s. The BBC did a whole show on John Searle. Um, he was uh, strongly... Uh, you know, recognized throughout the UK and other parts of the world as having a what we refer to as free energy device. Let me put it this way. The energy that's put out is a lot more than the energy get, that gets put in. Well, well, well. And if you've got uh, a magnitude difference, you are talking about something substantial as a change in our use of energy. So that was one very interesting presentation. Russell Anderson's full title is Chief Inverse Gravity Vehicle Engineer and CEO of Applied Electrogravitics and Head of R&D for Searle Aerospace, Inc. Now, they're interestingly raising some money uh, to get what could be best described as 
a spacecraft off the ground. Oh, yes, you got it. Star Trek Revisited. It's been here on Earth for a long time. That's right. And John Searle is one of those who developed it, and Russell Anderson is one of the key spokespeople of that movement. And um, there was also um, another very interesting fellow, Joel Garbin, who is talking about other technologies of similar sort um, that he's been researching for many years. And uh, let me see if I can find Joel Garbin here in the lineup so I can read to you a little bit about him. He is the president of the New Energy Movement, founding member of the New Energy Congress, and co-author of Breakthrough Power with uh, Jean Manning, who is also present, very lovely Canadian woman who uh, has been on this path for some 20 years. Ralph and Marcia Ring, uh, Ralph who had worked with Otis T. Carr, who was um, Nikolai Tesla's uh, assistant, for a long time, was there. Very interesting man, talking about the role of mind in technology and consciousness. Then there was David William Gibbons, who we had on this show uh, just a couple of weeks ago, who is known as an international broadcaster, writer, and historian. Just a lovely, lovely man, who those of you who heard the show with him and Fernando Vosa just a couple of weeks ago, would have gathered that. He spent a lot of time with the former astronaut Brian O'Leary. And uh, one of the presentations that David did at the Breakthrough Conference was in a dialogue that he had had with Brian on Skype after Brian had left the United States, having seen so much atrocity in the uh, true, you could say, dissolution of our democracy and of our constitution, relocated. Here he is, a NASA scientist, astrophysicist, astronaut, relocating out of the United States to Ecuador. He's since passed, but prior to that, David and uh, Brian were very close. And he was a, a very brilliant man, and uh, that came through in David's presentation beautifully. Then there was Moray King, just a, again a lovely gentleman, engineer, physicist, and author, presenting yet more in the domain of different kinds of energy devices. And he did a review of them and a critique as well. Dr. Thorsten Ludwig, independent consultant and president of the German Association for Space Energy and Scientist for New Energy Projects. Thorsten is hired by <clears throat> many new startups to review and enhance their technology and, and uh, prepare it for, um, for commercialization and walk it through the R&D process as well. So on the first day, there was a lot on the level of technology. And what's interesting, just as was well described at the conference, was also well described in Foster Gamble's film, 
thrive. And if you have not seen that film for many reasons, I strongly recommend it. I had Foster as a guest on my show back in February of this year, 2012, and uh, that was actually on PRN. But it's all conjoined on our website, www.abetterworld.tv, under Radio Archive. And just put the um, name in to the search engine under Radio Archive, or simply just start scrolling through the Radio Archive, and you will find it in short order. But I strongly recommend the interview as well as the film, because in an extremely coherent manner, Foster outlines a series of so-called zero-point or free energy devices, even though that is a bit of a misnomer. It conveys the notion of we little in, way lot out when it comes to an energy device. So what does that mean? It means no longer a dependency on externals like big corporations for our energy. Oh, yes, it's not even though we call it free, doesn't mean it's not going to cost anything. Free in terms of harnessing nature's own energy like hydrogen or water or magnets, things of this sort. And uh, God knows there are many breakthroughs that are happening all over the place. Um, in fact, on my trip through uh, France and a uh, bit of uh, England, really, London, um after the conference, uh, one of my dearest, oldest friends lives in Paris, and he showed me where there are these electric cars that are um, provided, I believe, by the city of Paris at different locations across the city, right next to a, um, a plug-in center where you can rent the car for an hour or two, sort of like what we have in the United States called Zipcar. But these are all electric, and you return them to the spot you took it from, and you plug it back in and recharge it for the next user. And that's, well, a small indication of how much more advanced life in Europe is than in the United States. Uh, we live in a little bit of a bubble here, and we have this bizarre notion that our technology and our everything and our way of life is superior to that of other countries. But um, the even semi-awake traveler will let anyone know how untrue that is. There are infrastructures every bit as developed and more so than ours, including Internet con connectivity where our upload and download speeds are what we think are superb, there are others that are far beyond, as in Europe and Scandinavia, what we get. Same in Japan, and I believe Korea as well. So it's not true, folks, that the United States is the most advanced. In fact, any review of the statistics, the infant mortality rate, the number of people that die um, from uh, hospital visits, iatrogenic um, causes, it's called, 
people who are dying from any number of causes that are absolutely unnecessary in what is called an advanced country, a modern modern country. The United States is lagging behind the top-level statistics when it comes to education, when it comes to science and math education, when it comes to arts education, uh, when it comes to even schooling, when it comes to graduation from high school. The numbers are staggering when it comes to violence in the homes, when it comes to abuse, when it comes to prisoners per capita. Wait a minute. I was told that the United States of America is the greatest country on earth. Well, you know, there are many distinguishing characteristics of the United States. There is a fundamental, foundational sense of creativity, of adventure, of boldness. There's a lot that this country has brought forward in the world, and as well as a lot of goodwill. But it seems that that has uh, dipped and diminished over time, and the forces that be these days are corporate in nature, and there's very little wit, very little imagination. What there is is a severe, extreme, obsessive, compulsive, and truly pathological drive toward power and money, and they are devaluing both in their hungry, obsessive surge and push for these things, to own everything there is, to acquire land all over Africa, South America, and on and on it goes for the sheer sake of ownership and conquest. It's just the conquistadors all over again, and uh, there's just very little cessation of... um, the madness and the, and the um, the sickness of greed, which just continues in our country unabated, most unfortunately. So this conference, because it really has at its root um, the notion of democratization of energy, which, again, I say, it doesn't mean free to users. It does mean equity, and it does imply the potential of owning one's own autonomous energy system so one would pay for the system but have one uh have one at one's beck and call by pushing a button and not having to be dependent on the con edisons of the world or any other lighting or uh power utility that currently control so much and uh, what with the smart meters and everything else coming down the pike, you'd be amazed at what is actually possible. And we have those technological advances in our hands now. Now. And uh, yes, it's true. Not all of them have reached the commercialization stage because of usually lack of funding. And... uh, but it's not because the technology doesn't exist. Now, I personally have been working with a few different companies that have technologies at varying uh, degrees of commercialization, and um, actually they're 
looking for money for funding to help continue um, the R&D process or, in one case, to get this advanced electric motor system further underway in production, starting in Malaysia, then moving into China, both scooters, three-wheeled and four-wheeled vehicles. So in short, it's getting very exciting, very interesting what's going on, and much is happening. And I, I bore witness to that at the conference itself as well. This is Mitchell J. Rabin, your host for A Better World. I'm on the air here at Blog Talk Radio every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I usually have guests, but today the guest is you. And I have yet to hear from one of you, but the phone lines are open. Just call 602-753-1860. That's 602-753-1860. Now, I am aware that uh, most listeners do listen after the fact in archive. I'm sorry, you will not be able to call in under those circumstances. But for those who do listen, and if you are interested, certainly feel free to give a call. Um, so let me return to a little about the conference and about um, here's my, my trip in uh, Europe, which was just uh, revelatory in many wonderful ways. Um, another really interesting presenter was Brooks Agnew. Now, Brooks uh, is another scientist and engineer who has also developed an electric motor, Uh, about which I'm still learning. Um, But he did a presentation at the conference on solar flares. This is something that is not to be underestimated, and nor is it to be overestimated. What we humans so dislike is not to know and to have a question mark hanging above our heads when it comes to something as potentially significant as this. And it's it's almost like a Y2K thing. We anticipated a potential problem and had to be prepared for it. And yet, we didn't know that the preparation was going to really be needed. So too, when it comes to solar flares, NASA's data shows us that there is no question that solar flare activity directed toward the Earth is going to be pronounced in the next, literally starting now, from now for the next year to two years. It's not a short span of time. And uh, that activity could potentially be of a magnitude that could wipe out our grid. All the more reason, by the way, to be exploring alternative energies and renewable, independent, sovereign-based, non-grid types of power systems. Um, the idea that a, uh, a solar flare would be able to knock out an entire region's electricity if they are decentralized is much reduced 
when it's centralized as we have today in our country, all over Europe, all over the world, uh, the chances are increased that um, the exposure in that way would lead to a potential major blackout. That could last for a week, would be way too brief a period. So what we just went through with Hurricane Sandy in the general New York, New Jersey area would be nothing, as we say, nothing. It could mean, uh, with the solar storm uh, hitting a strategic urban location, such as New York, Chicago, L.A., Austin, uh, Salt Lake, any of the major cities in the United States, or Paris, London, Rome, Amsterdam, uh, Barcelona, wherever it could lead to a power outage anywhere from a few weeks on the luckiest side to a few months and or more or more. This is where we speculate. This is where we really do not know, but we hope that we know, <laughs> but we do not know. The thing is this, what we do know factually is that the magnitude of solar flares are increasing in what seems to be rather definitively the direction of the Earth. And if we wanted to be prepared, it would be prudent to. And what does preparation mean? But just as those of us who prepared at least somewhat for Hurricane Sandy, and in my case, admittedly, I didn't take it particularly seriously based on the way I know uh, newscasters tend to um, exaggerate storms. Yes, it was clear something was going to be happening, but to what extent in our New York area really was uncertain. But, well, as it got closer, it became less and less uncertain as we learned. Uh, and so with the solar flares, we do not know if it's going to touch us one bit. But what we know is this, a little bit of history. In 1859, there was a major solar flare activity to such an extent. It was named the Carrington Effect after probably the astronomer who tracked it down back then. Because we were not electrified as a globe at that time, the damage was virtually nil. Not a problem. There were other moments, uh, I think it was 1911-12, but most recently where we really felt the impact of a solar flare was, I believe it was in the year 1987, and it was mainly in Quebec that it hit, and the Quebec Power Company went down. They had approximately 47 seconds of forenotice before it actually happened. Certainly not enough time to do anything, shut down the substations or what have you, previous to the strike. Just no time to prepare. Unless they were prepared, like all societies should be prepared. If we weren't spending so much money on on war machines and killing people and alienating uh, the rest of the world to just utterly feel hostile toward the U.S. government, if not Americans, um, 
we could actually be prepared for something as truly important as uh, solar flare preparation and infrastructure rebuilding and uh, funding green, renewable, sustainable technologies so we wouldn't be in this vulnerable position as we are now in the first place. So, 1987 in Quebec, their electricity was out, I believe, I'm I'm guessing a little bit because I don't remember all the facts that were laid out, but it could have been several weeks, and there was nothing they could do about it. But that was a fairly potent hit, and it is an example for us for what can happen now. And we are completely ill-prepared, as you've noticed. Did you hear either Obama or Romney make reference to solar flares and what they would do as president to prepare our nation for such an attack? No, of course not. All we heard is nonsense about Afghanistan and pulling out of Iraq, which we really haven't pulled out of, and all the other craziness that these two talk about and pass off as important. But what's really important is preparation for something like this, the rebuilding of infrastructure, the rebuilding of our educational system, the rebuilding of our political system by pulling money out completely, and I say have no incumbencies. There is one election and one only for about a six-year term or seven-year term, and let them do their thing, and then sayonara. And no campaigns even, except for publicly airwaved, televised, and radioed um, discussions and presentations of themselves toward the end of a given election cycle. And uh, everybody should be playing on the same team. There shouldn't be the horrific differences between uh, candidates. They should be doing the will of the people and and should be based on uh, the transparent um, implementation and enforcement of the fundamental principles of our Constitution and Bill of Rights. It's pretty straightforward, and when people stop being so bloody self-interested, the rest just unfolds and plays smoothly, like I said at the beginning, thank you, Mr. Grajeev, like a pianola. It's just not complicated. We have to bridle, I believe, unlike the libertarians, even though I have some libertarian blood in me, uh, regulations are necessary. Unfortunately, human nature has been corrupted by the quest for money and power and will do anything, and I mean anything, for more money and power. Just look at what Monsanto, DuPont, Coca-Cola, and others do to our food supply with genetically modified organisms. It's horrendous. Look at bovine growth hormone. It's outrageous. Look at the use of insecticides, pesticides, and herbicides. Unbelievable. The destruction of our soil. The destruction of our waterways. 
PCBs in the Hudson River. Who ever heard of such a thing? But on and on it goes, and it's been going on this way for centuries. The slave labor, human trafficking, on and on it goes. And if government is not there to regulate, enforce labeling, make sure of safety, who's going to do it? I know the argument is that the markets will do it. Well, don't hold your breath, my friends. That's what I say. Don't hold your breath because the amount of subterfuge and brainwashing and greenwashing and disinformation is so rampant that I'm just afraid that it ain't going to go our way. It's going to go their way. And there really shouldn't be an us and a them. It should be a we all. And there's plenty of money to be made doing things the right way, the way based on integrity. And if that were the case, if human beings could stick to that, then government would, the need for it, would diminish, diminish, diminish. And I'm all for it. In fact, I'm suggesting that a libertarian point of view which, by the way, could be seen uh, to some extent in the famed and celebrated writings of the poet Lao Tzu of approximately the 6th or 7th century BC in China, which the Tao Te Ching is all about self-governance. Libertarian thinking is also about self-governance, interestingly. So, just to say that there is a place for it. There is a place when human beings are more evolved and more mature. This is Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World. I am on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And this week I am speaking unless or until someone calls in with a thought, a comment, or a question at 602 753-1860. That is 602-753-1860. So I'm speaking about a few different things. I'm sort of spinning off the Breakthrough Energy Conference, and I would give you that website as well, which is www.globalbem, which stands for Breakthrough Energy Movement, dot com globalbem.com. Remember that because this was the initiation. This was uh, Conference 1. It looks like the next conference will be in possibly South Africa, uh, co-hosted by by Michael Tellinger, who's just a brilliant, lovely man who I got to know quite well uh, during the conference. We uh, spent a good amount of time together, and um, I had him as my first guest, interestingly, um, from the show, from the conference on A Better World, talking about ancient civilizations in South Africa that are evidenced by a series of stone formations and configurations that are reminiscent of such at uh, Stonehenge. And um, he's been able to decipher 
these literally thousands of stone arrangements to be found down in the hinterlands of South Africa. He's picked up on um, Zechariah Sitchin's uh, work of the Anunnaki, uh, referred to as, or <clears throat> excuse me, fallen angels, indeed, fallen angels who have come to earth uh, to mine and exploit the resources, most particularly that of AU, yes, i.e. gold. And that is considered a very precious resource, not just to humans, but to non-humans alike. And we, it is said, is a, are developed from the animal kingdom essentially through a form of genetic modification. So Monsanto was not the first, but uh, they're just the contemporary sad inheritors of a very bad lineage. Um, but that we are, in effect, a hybrid, and we were developed to be a slave class that's all human beings, a slave class to the Anunnaki to develop the gold mines so they could export. You want to talk about export? This isn't from one country to another. This is from one one dimension to another or one planet to another. So it's a whole new spin on export, um, the import-export business. So... Michael Tellinger was one of the speakers, and just brilliant, brilliant information. He's also additionally uh, formed the Ubuntu Project, the Ubuntu Party. That's U-B-U-N-T-U, party. And through this party, he is endeavoring to break open, crack open the bank the banking system of South Africa, which is apparently every bit as corrupt as what we have here in the United States and Europe. And it's a sad thing. It is a sad moment for human history. But he is mounting quite an offensive in this domain and has made such serious project uh, progress uh, that um, his lawyer's office got broken into and the... Um, hard drives confiscated. You know you're doing something good when they want what you've got that badly that they will break the law and justify it. Which happens, of course, all the time. So, anyway, I'm giving you a couple of samples of people who showed up at this conference. Um... And uh, David Martin was a very interesting um, speaker, executive chairman of MCAM, Inc., and finance principal of Exemplar Zero that was started by Humanitad, the founder of which and CEO of which is Sasha Stone, a colleague and very good friend as well, who's just a brilliant man, and we co-moderated the panels together. And uh, David Martin was taken on by Sasha to help him with the Exemplar Zero initiative, which is very much about the democratization 
of uh, renewable and sustainable energy sources. And uh, these were some of the highlights, although truly every speaker was wonderful. Catherine Austin Fitz was there, publisher of the Solari Report and managing member of Solari Investment Advisory Services. She was the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of Housing in the first Bush, that is Bush Senior Administration, and just a lovely woman who has such a story to tell uh, where she developed a software to help um, uh, localities, regions, counties, cities, towns see what federal monies have been funneled their way and what those monies are actually being used for. In other words, transparency in government. Well, the federal government didn't like that very much, and they too confiscated her computers and her hard drives, and even though she sued and won $5 million or $6 million and 11 years later, she still never um, re uh, was given back her software. So um, this is just tra tragic. This is not democratic. This is not just. We have a justice system that has gone to sleep is cutting Z's, it is not enforcing justice. It is not. There are those cases, few and far between, but it is it is remiss when it comes, especially in regard to the banking system, to do anything meaningful. It's actually an embarrassment to our country and uh, to what the American people deserve. So whether it's international law breakage, for instance, the Geneva Conventions, international law in general, or domestic, it doesn't matter. The um, politics of the Justice Department, which should be an oxymoron, are powerful and they're run. Let me put it this way. The politics of the Justice Department are run by the economics of private industry and corporations. So that means everything is truly a corporatocracy. Sad as that may be. So, in sum, we learned from this Breakthrough Energy Conference that there are uh, a series of different technologies that are waiting for application and when there is a commercial or political will to apply, then implement them, they will be done. It will be done. It's just a matter of time. And the sooner, my friends, the better. And we learned that the implications for our society at large, and its safety and security, by the way, would be greatly uh, affirmed when these newer technologies get applied. But it also has to be understood, and this was a point that I harped upon throughout the conference, that just to do a, a lateral replacement, so to speak, of the current energy systems of coal and fossil fuels with 
a free energy device in itself is not sufficient. It must be accompanied with a shift in consciousness and, as Mr. Gurdjieff would say, former teacher of dance, Sufi, and known as a spiritual teacher um, in the earlier part of the 20th century, um, to to its middle, I should say, uh, a matter of changing conscience. That means awakening of the heart. Both of these, consciousness and conscience, needs to be awakened because we need to be able to treat each other properly, not making a killing, which is the theme and motto of current-day Wall Street and the banking system. That's not it. I've been preaching something that people have disagreed with me, and I don't really care, of the notion of moderate profit, that even if you can make 100%, um, you don't need 100%, because if that's going to put people out on the street because the rents are too high or not be able to eat because the food prices are too high and the market would uh, be able to demand it, that, to me, in a conscious society, isn't sufficient reason to charge 100% when you can still make a nice and handsome profit at 50%. And I'll stand by that unless and until I am proven wrong. And it's a very interesting dynamic. If somebody could sell a banana for a dollar and it cost them 15 cents to, to plant it, feed it, and grow it and pick it, and they instead sell it for 50 cents instead of a dollar, and they're making, even after transportation, and all of their hard costs, all of their costs altogether, it costs them 30 cents, and they're making 20 cents of the 50 cents. And that 50 cents allows many more people to buy bananas without a feeling of stress and hardship, but reason, reasonable comfort. Wouldn't you rather have a society that goes by that and they profit with each sale, but also from volume, rather than charging a dollar for the same very thing? So they're making 70 cents on it, and fewer people can buy it. Other people are going hungry, And it sets up an elitist system. I'm saying moderate profit is a workable model. And if anybody disagrees, please let me know. I would like to hear and think through options. We are beginning to run out of time here, but I want to give you the phone number one more time, just in case anybody has a last-minute inspiration. 602. 753-1860-602-753-1860. 753-1860. So moving right along, seeing as I do believe there will be a change in uh, the uh, a sea change 
in the way we use energy. And if we can change our minds, then the change in the kind of energy we use will become truly significant because we won't have the Exxon mentality, you could call it, but we will have a more harmonious conscious mentality that says, yes, I want to make money. Yeah, it's fine to make money. It's good as long as we have a money-based system. And many are saying, like Michael Tellinger, by the way, are forecasting the end of a money-based society. So I think that's something that we want to bear in mind as well. But until or unless that happens, we are living in one. And make good use of it and be charitable with what you've got. Don't overcharge and don't undercharge, you know. There's a happy medium. Why is that so difficult? And that's across the board in our entire economy, and it's not based. It does not need to be based on supply and demand because that creates major polarity. It creates major swings of the pendulum in the economy, and it's just not necessary. I don't know where people think they're driven, obsessed with that kind of thing. I can make a killing. And that's exactly what happens. They make a killing and people get killed. So, in our remaining minutes here, uh, I'd like to turn our attention to uh, an important article that is related to the current Israel-Palestinian question, so important these days. And um, it's... The Ameri- the Union, if you don't know it, is America's finest news source. Calm sense of impending violence returns to Middle East as ceasefire is brokered. Gaza City. Following today's announcement of an official ceasefire between Hamas and Israel, putting an end to eight straight days of widespread violence along the Gaza Strip, Sources confirm that the region has now finally returned to a calm, tranquil sense of imminent violence. Thank goodness we can all go back to our quiet, normal lives in which the prospect of widespread bloodshed constantly, constantly, um, excuse me, looms over us every second of every day, said Gaza resident Tamer Bisharat. 42, echoing the sentiments of millions of Israelis and Palestinians, glad to return to a state of unbearably tense normalcy. Quote, It's just nice to know that I can safely go outside again, knowing that it is peaceful still and constantly on the verge of erupting into sudden full-scale warfare at any given time. At press time, relieved residents of Israel and Gaza were planning to spend the rest of the week unwinding relaxing with their families, and imagining, over and over, being killed in an exploding bus. Yes, ha ha, ho ho, he he. But that is, indeed, the state of the world right there, in a nutshell. Truly nutty and a nutshell at the same time. It's incredible. But, you know... Um, I don't even want to go there because to me, it's so crazy. The amount of prejudice for Israel is uh, awesome. I love Israel. I've been there. My own heritage is connected to it. 
Um, I want it to thrive, not just survive. I want it to be secure. And <clears throat> the manufacturing of an enemy doesn't do it any good. And the consistent bombing of the Gaza Strip, wherein of the approximately 150 people killed in these last few days, um, many of whom have been children, others have been women, uh, media outlets have been targeted, as well as police stations, I believe possibly even hospitals. This is not fair play. It is not. And there's no reason for it. And uh, I know the justifications of the Israelis, and I don't buy it. This is a control thing again. And it's warfare extolled. And there's no virtue in it. Yes, Hamas, Hamas might be a rather impossible um, um, customer, but not really. Not when you learn the language of people. People want to be able to live and to let live. You've got to speak on the level that people are living on. And... Uh, Don Beck of Spiral Dynamics also, I guessed on A Better World TV I had on some years back. Brilliant guy. And um, the work of Claire Graves' Spiral Dynamics really outlines what are referred to as the different memes of uh, development of human, essentially, sociological typology. And the so-called lower memes, the lower colors, do not conceive what the hires the higher memes do. And each one has to be dealt with on its own terms. Like when you speak to a six year old, you cannot assume the intelligence of a thirteen year old or a a thirty two year old. It just it's not there. And it shouldn't be expected. So too we are looking at different needs of different people. And it's not one is better than the other. It's not that. There are developmental stages that every people pass through. And wherever they are deserves respect from the from others. And uh, that's the way that Don approaches um, dialoguing between different memes. So, anyway, certainly you can look that up for yourself. But in short, uh, we need to create a better world, folks. We need to respect each other. The best kind of world starts with respect. It requires deep listening. It requires conscious attention and a heart that cares about the outcome of not just oneself or one's people, but all people. And that's the way to broker peace. That's the way to mediate it. That's the way to work things out in personal relationships, in business relationships, with governments, and with nations. So on that note, I want to just uh, thank you all for listening. I so appreciate when you come and tune in to me on A Better World and listen to our fabulous uh, roster of guests who are speaking about conscious transformation, talk about healing, and shifting our consciousness into 
the newer, higher realms, because that's where we're going, and that's where we need to go if we're going to survive and thrive. So thanks again. Go to our website at www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, and get on the newsletter. It's free. It's fun. Uh, also visit us at uh, or read my blogs at the Huffington Post, also posted on our website, abetterworld.tv, and in our newsletters. Um, very interesting stuff. Also some stuff on naturalnews.com. So there's a compendium and a plethora of information. Not to mention tuning into our weekly TV show now currently every Tuesday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're in Manhattan, just tune in on television. If you're outside Manhattan, the Big Apple, then you can go to our site, abetterworld.tv, and right at the top, it makes it very clear how to tune in. You just click, and voila, there you are. Thanks again for joining me today. I so appreciate your uh, participation by listening because we didn't get callers. I had uh, one caller once say, you know, Mitchell, we don't call because we don't want to interrupt the flow of your converse, your monologue. <laughs> well, I thought that was very sweet. But my monologue is interruptible at any time, folks. Please remember. All right. Anyway, be well and join us next week. I will be resuming guests now that I'm back from abroad and carrying on with creating a better world. Good night now.